What fun. Friends, we begin worshiping this morning by joining our voices with the psalmist who says in Psalm 90, O Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout the generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, before the whole world was made, from everlasting to everlasting, you, O Lord, are God. Now, if you're arriving in worship this morning and thinking, things are a little different than usual today, this seems a little odd, well, you are not crazy. Things are different this morning. You may look around and notice that there are some folks dressed up in, with a nod to the 1970s. I've got with me today, I got a tie-dye handkerchief here. I got my John Lennon sunglasses with me. Others have done even more and much better than I uh, in your attire this morning. And all of this is not because we forgot to take off our Halloween costumes this past week. It is instead because we are shifting into part two of our fall series called Casting Shadows, and this time we're focusing on This Is Us. And throughout this series, four Sundays in a row, we'll lean into the decades, particularly the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. We'll sing some of the classic worship songs from those particular eras. We'll see some images from culture at large during those particular decades, and we'll Uh, take notice of some fellowship artifacts, some stuff from our own life together in in these decades. Each decade is also paired with one of fellowship's long-held but newly named values. And these values are real, unifying, inviting, and equipping. We'll take them one by one each week. But the mantra of this series that we're beginning together over the next four weeks, the mantra is this, when you know who you are, you know what to do. When you know who you are, you know what to do. And so over the next four weeks, as we look back and look ahead, as we look back at fellowship's history and say, this is us, this is who God has made us to be, as we look ahead and anticipate who God is yet still calling us to be, the mantra rings true throughout. When you know who you are, you know what to do. Now, fittingly, also today is All Saints Sunday, a day in which we remember those who have gone before us. And today we will bless 15 of our fellowship members who have passed away in this past year. And to do that, we join again with the psalmist who says, O Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout the generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, before the whole world was made, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now, friends, I invite you to stand, and we're going to sing some songs together that throw back to the era in which Fellowship Church was founded. So you can stand, and I invite you to engage this worshipfully, but also by activating your spiritual memory of the folks who have gone before us and of God who is always with us from generation to generation.
Ross already mentioned, today is All Saints Sunday, when the church worldwide honors those who have fallen asleep in Christ and who are awaiting their bodily resurrection. Today, we acknowledge their ongoing connection to us and give thanks for the impact their lives of faith have had on us. As we do this, 
I invite you to consider how the beginnings and endings of earthly life are spaces in which we experience awe. Think about the beginnings and endings of lives that you've witnessed or walked alongside. Hold these experiences in your mind's eye and just notice. Awe is the feeling of being in the presence of something vast that transcends our current understanding of the world. Some have noticed that the processes and experiences of birth and death, though seemingly quite different, have striking similarities. It is holy ground, a thin space, as it is sometimes called, where the veil between heaven and earth is thin. Bearing witness to the beginning or ending of a life can be a moving experience of transcendence and awe. And so I invite you to continue to hold those mysterious and holy experiences in your mind and heart as we pray. Our long shadow prayer this morning comes from Martin Luther King Jr., who, as you may know, cast a long shadow not only within the Christian church, but also in society at large. So we'll begin by praying his very words. I'll pray those words, and then we'll transition into uh, our own words, highlighting folks from our own local fellowship community and calling out 15 of our saints who have passed on within the past year. Let's go to God together in prayer. Oh God, we thank you for the lives of great saints and prophets in the past who have revealed to us that we can stand up amid the problems and difficulties and trials of life and not give in. We thank you for our foreparents who've given us something in the midst of the darkness of exploitation and oppression to keep going. Grant that we will go on with the proper faith and the proper determination of will so that we will be able to make a creative contribution to this world. We thank you, God of all ages, specifically for the lives and witness of those in our faith community who have passed away in the last 12 months and who we still mourn the loss of. We name them before you as we light a candle for each one and remember them by name. We remember together Bill DeCracker. Alita DeWeird. Paul DeBoer. Nick Awarda. Randy Cooley. Shirley Knowles. Suzanne Rich. Roger Rowe. Spark Overway. Jim Pollock. Del Dikema. Arlene Van Hecken. Ruth Bohr. Judy Voss. Terry Skirman. And we light one more candle for the unnamed friends and family of this congregation. Oh God, as we remember these loved ones, we ask for your comfort and ongoing grace that their light and witness of faith will continue to shine in this world and in our lives. May we be encouraged to press on to follow you, even as you have strengthened them to finish their race. 
bring us also into the communion of your saints for the sake of your kingdom. We pray this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I invite you to stand and let's sing together. It is because of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection that we have peace with God and with one another. The peace of Christ be with you. Before you share a sign of that peace, I will let you know our children three years through fifth grade are dismissed at this time. And also, you'll come back second through fifth graders to rejoin us for communion. Please share a sign of that peace as you are comfortable. to you our heart. 
I'm just going to pretend it's not what I'm wearing. You're just excited to see me. <laughs> oh. My name is Bryce Vanderstelt, and I'm excited to get to spend some time with you this morning looking at Scripture and talking about how we're real with each other. Our Scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 139, uh, so I invite you to pray with me before we read it. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for a community like this where we have people together that can worship you, that can hold each other up, that can help us to learn about ourselves and learn about you, help us see where we belong in this world. I pray as we look to your word that uh, the scripture and the words I speak and the ears that hear that all of us would learn something about who we are in light of you this morning. In your name we pray, amen. In our reading this morning, we're going to have a couple of readings, but our first reading this morning comes from Psalm 139, so I invite you to hear these words and let them fall over you. We're going to, I'm going to be reading Psalm 139, verses 1 through 16. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit or stand, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wing of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. 
You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's a lot of things going on today. Obviously, if you've been around for a little bit, this is not how I normally dress, although I will admit I'm thinking about keeping it uh, because my calves have not felt this free since the early 2000s. Right? And I'll say, it's all skinny now, but this, I say, this feels good. And this is coming back. We're looking back at our clothes. We're looking back at music. But we're also looking back at those people who have come before us, who we love deeply, whose mark stays on our hearts. Along with looking back, we're also looking forward this week as we start this new sermon series. We're talking about the, the this is us, the four values that we share, those things that make fellowship fellowship, and a good value doesn't just tell us who we are, but who we want to become. Today, the first value we're going to talk about is the value of being real. Our fun way of saying it here at Fellowship is we take God seriously, and we don't take ourselves too seriously, clearly. Uh, And I want to pull a couple of these threads together at the beginning here. I want to talk to you about someone who passed away almost eight years ago that I loved deeply, and that's my grandpa, John Vanderstelt. That's him the big man. I remember growing up in Morris, Iowa. It's a small town, about 300 people. If you ran around the whole thing, it's about a mile. Uh, So you're within walking distance to everything, Uh, but that also meant that I was in walking distance to my grandparents' house and to my grandpa's shop. My grandpa was an upholsterer by trade, so he made furniture. He was one of those guys that if you had a broken zipper, if you had a woodworking question, if you had any handyman thing to ask him, give him enough time, and eventually he would figure out a way to fix it and to make it work. Uh, This next picture I have, you'll see, is a couch that he built for us when uh, me and Aaron were married. So this is about 15 years ago. My parents, he made a couch for them when they were married. So when me and my brother, we both got married two weeks apart from each other. When we were getting married, they hired him to make two couches. And his skill level was as much as he just told us, show me a picture or describe what kind of couch you want. And we did, we described, we were like, we want what me and Aaron were like, we want one like mom and dad have. And Mike was like, here's a picture. And he just made them. There was no blueprint, there was no plans. And 15 years later, my kids are still jumping on it. And it holds, it holds up. Along with being known as a gifted upholsterer and craftsman, uh, although he looks like Santa Claus, he was not always jolly. Uh, My grandpa was a gruff guy. Uh, If you were in town, he was also known for if you had an opinion he disagreed with or did something that he did not like, you would hear about it, and you would hear about it directly from him at a very high decibel, because he was a yeller. Um, And this wasn't just limited to yelling at uh, people. He would yell at animals as well. Uh, I can set myself, I can picture so many times being in their backyard, and we'd be sitting in these lawn chairs and you're talking, and the, the neighbors have these two dogs. They barked incessantly for years. They would just bark, bark, bark. And you'd be mid-sentence, or he would be mid-sentence, and he would just get fed up with it. And in the middle of someone talking, he would just suddenly yell some form of, be quiet over there! And you would hear a whimper from the dogs. <laughs> they were on the other side of the house. We couldn't even see the dogs. They were just somewhere in the world. And he yelled, and they whimpered, and they were quiet for about 20 minutes to you just got to relive the whole thing over again. <laughs> As a family, we, were, uh, we saw both sides of him often. On Sundays, we would go over to their house and we would have Sunday dinner. So our every, day, every Sunday after church, picture uncles, aunts, cousins, all of us around one big table. Uh, and we would eat together. And on one Sunday, I remember I was, he was at one end of the table as he always was on this particular Sunday. I was on the other end. I was probably 11, 12, something like that. I was wearing a backwards baseball hat, uh, as I often did. And partway through the meal, picture everyone chatting and talking. Grandpa stands up. He just silently walks across the table. He grabs my hat. He walks over. Halfway there, he sets it on a bookshelf. And he walks back and he sits down. Silence is sometimes the loudest form of screaming, friends. But I was 11, and I had watched him my whole life. So as he sat down, I stood up and silently walked to the bookshelf. And I grabbed my hat, and I put it on my head. And I returned to my seat, and I sat down, and I looked at him. And you could feel the tension in the room. (laughs) 
All these adults who had lived with him were like, what has this young foolish man done, this boy, boy who knows nothing of the fury he just invited? And the thing that stands out to me about this particular memory is that uh, instead of yelling at me that day, he just kind of shook his head and he continued on with his meal. When I remember that, I like to think it's because I wasn't just some person who was annoying him or trying to make him mad. But I was his grandson. I was a kid that he loved. I was a kid that he knew well. When he was busy in that upholstery shop making that beautiful furniture, me and my brother, my brother's three years older than me, we would show up with the very important task that we needed costumes. And my brother would draw, and he's like, you're a talker, go talk to him. And then I'd go up and say, Grandpa, we need you to make costumes. And instead of just ignoring us and saying, I'm busy, he would always stop. And when we left, we'd have a Batman mask. We'd have our Robin costume. And just like my couch, my son was just running around in here last night with these on. They still hold up, and they're still together. I was waiting for him to tear it last night. Like, just wait. I've waited all this time. But he makes these. So I have a question for you guys. When you think of John Vanderstelt, who is the real John Vanderstelt? Is it the guy in his backyard yelling at the dogs? Or is it the kind grandpa who's over in his shop making these costumes for his grandkids? The answer is both. Both, right? I say the answer is both because we are complex people. We have things that we're proud of and we have things that we're not so proud of. If we're going to talk about being real as a community this morning, we have to acknowledge that there are things that we as fellowship are very proud of, things that we do well, and there are things that we could do better and things that we should be aware of that are challenging to us. This morning, we are looking at two different passages. That first was Psalm 139. I want us to think about how we're going to be real with God. And then we're going to look at Romans 12 and talk about how can we be real with other people because those two things show up differently in our lives. Right away in verse 1 in the psalm, we find out that God knows a lot about us. In fact, Psalm 139 verse 1 says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. I have good news. When it comes to being real with God, you don't have a choice. We can pretend like we're hiding things from God or that God doesn't know. But the reality is that God knows everything about us. Those things that you're happy for God to see, those things that you're proud of, God sees it. Those things that you're not so proud of, that you wish you could take and hide in the darkest place of the world, God sees that as well. But the good news is that God doesn't just see a good person and a bad person. God sees you as a person, as one individual. God sees you yelling at the dogs and making costumes for your grandkids and loves the whole you. Now, for some of us, it would be natural and happens a lot where this kind of sends us, uh, this feels disconcerting and sends us into a little shame spiral. We say, oh, no, 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 no. No, if God knows all of me, there's no way that God can love, can love me. I know what I've done. I'm not a great person. But the beauty is that God's love extends for us, as those verses said, extends for us before birth. It extends after death. That the things we do, who we are, God loves the whole of us. And knowing that we're fully loved by God, that should empower us to be vulnerable with God. When we understand the depth of, or so, so how can we be real with God? It's simple, by accepting that we already are. God knows us, loves us, and through Jesus has come to dwell with us. And when you believe that you're loved by God, and you have that in your back pocket, these pants do not actually have back pockets, but if you, if you have that with you all the time to know that you are loved by God, you should be able to live with a confidence in who you are because of who's made you and who loves you. I want to pause there for a second. I feel like that's something that we say a lot in church, or maybe we assume a lot in church and we don't always say it. So if you're hearing it for the first time this morning, or if you just need a reminder and you need to hear it where you're at, I'm going to make sure I say it right. God knows you, loves you, and through Jesus has come to pay the price for your sins. You are loved. And not just the person that you project to other people, not just the good parts of you, all of you. It doesn't mean we're perfect, and in fact, the beauty is that we're not perfect and God still loves us. And maybe that's the one thing that you need to take this morning and just chew on for a while and just hold that. Uh, I invite you to do that. If you're sitting here thinking, I'm so excited, keep going. Okay, Shanna, I will. <laughs> Settle down, it's not over yet. 
So that's how we're real with God. But how are we real with other people? Because when we're real with God, it's one thing to say, be real with God. And you're like, okay, I can do this in this relationship because the other party is all knowing, all loving, all forgiving. Sure, I'll be real with that. But my experience with people is that that is not always the case. Are you with me? If I were to say to you, just as God fully knows and loves us, if we're going to be real as a community, I think we need to fully know each other. And the way we're going to do that is we just need to find out everything about each other. So we're going to sit in this room and we're going to say everything about ourselves. And I think we need to start by what I call the Fellowship Realness Project. We're going to rip the Band-Aid off. We're going to pass a mic around and we're all going to share our worst sin. <laughs> our worst sin. And because good leadership goes first, Pastor Ross is going to kick off. So Ross, if you could stand up. And just, you can face them. They're not, they're not shy. If you could just share the worst sin. You, no, don't do that. <laughs> we wouldn't do that, right? That's a terrible idea. Immediately, we all know that's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea for a lot of reasons. But I think one of the reasons is we can make the confusion that being real is just knowing a lot of information about each other. It's amazing that God knows everything about us. But God's real love isn't just shown in the fact that God knows things about us. God's real love is shown in the actions that we see God take. Because the truth is, even if we know a lot about each other, we can't know everything like God does. My wife Erin knows a lot about me. Sometimes she'll look at me and say, what's bothering you? And I'll look at her a little confused and she'll say, you have the creases between your eyebrows. What are you, you're thinking hard about something. But she still has to ask, right? So even those closest to us can't know everything about us. So being real doesn't know that we know someone. Being real is shown in action. If you picture God's real love shown throughout the scripture, think about God saving the Israelites from Egypt, from Daniel being saved by the lion's den, from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being saved from that furnace, and Jesus being sent to this earth as our Savior. And as God's people, we should make our love real with our actions. Paul gives us some ideas of how to do that in Romans 12, 9 through 16. And by the way, these verses that we're reading today, along with having these values, we have uh, scripture along with these values. We've kind of put them together to support the values with scripture. So that's where these verses come from today. Uh, these are kind of our value verses, so to speak, for being real. I want you to take this in, Romans 12, 9 through 16. Paul says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other and don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Do you notice that in those verses, Paul never says that a prerequisite to loving people or treating people well is that you feel a lot of love for them. In fact, to Paul and the early church, yes, feelings are important, but even more important when Paul says love people, it's the question of not how do you feel about them, but how are you treating them, right? Think about it this way. I like to run. I run quite often. And if you see me running outside all the time, you would probably assume, at least whether or not I like it, you would assume that it's important to me, right? If you never see me run and just hear me talk a lot about it, and then you're like, Bryce, you want to go for a run? I've invited you a bunch of times. And I'm always like, no, I'm pretty busy, you know? ankles. And then you'd assume, well, Bryce doesn't really care. I'd never see him do the thing he says. Our actions speak to who we really are. Paul says a lot of good things in these eight verses. So I want to break down some of them. And as, we, as I read some verses, I want to say about where I see this showing up in our life together. How do we show these things really? Verses nine and 10 say, don't just pretend to love, really love. Love people with genuine affection. Now, right off the bat, this, you might think this is, is going to be a challenge because there are a lot of people in this world that I do not like or love. Think of your coworkers. No, joke. <laughs> just a joke. Just a joke. <laughs> Nate's like, it's true now. Um, 
There are people you don't just genuinely like right away, maybe. There are also people in this world who have maybe genuinely hurt you and caused you pain. And you might think, I don't feel a lot of love for them. But again, I want us to think, how do we show up? How do we treat those people? What do our actions say in those moments? The ministry that popped into my mind uh, thinking about this genuine love was Kids Hope. If you don't know, Kids Hope is a ministry where an adult meets with an elementary school student or a middle school student once a week for one hour. And to put in the energy to do that uh, is a big act of love. And sometimes you have this little kid that's super excited to be with you, and it's easy to feel genuine love for them. You want to be there. They're like, yay, my person's here, and it's great. So you put in the effort. That's real love. But in my experience, and also when you're in a Kids Hope room, you also see other mentors in the room as well. So from my own experience and seeing many of you guys, there are some days where the student is not happy that they have to miss recess to hang out with you. Maybe the teacher assigns some work that they are not excited to do, and then you as a mentor are suddenly sitting there for an hour with a kid that is not happy to be with you, and it can be tough, and you might want to snap, and you might want to yell. Like my grandpa yelled at those dogs. But I see you guys over and over, rather than snapping, you hold it together and you offer an encouraging word to those kids. And then the crazy thing is, some of you know it's going to happen again, but you still show up next week to do it again. And you do that through a whole school year. That's real love. Showing that we really want to be there for these kids because we know that they need some extra love and support. Verse 13 says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. If you go back all the way to the beginning, there's countless people, whether babies are born or surgeries happen, people sign up. Nowadays, we do it by sending out the uh, meal train email, and people sign up to bring people meals. There's countless meals that we've provided for people who are just, you know, need some extra, extra help. Through hand-to-hand, we're sending out bags of foods into the public schools. We're sending out roughly 200 bags a week so that kids have food on the weekend. When we've had refugee brothers and sisters come to us that we want to welcome and support, we've had teams come together to support them and welcome them. Some of those teams have been put together in a matter of days. I think that fellowship shows up really well and shows the real us in our willingness to want to help people who are in need in real time. Verse 15 says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Last week at uh, high school ministry, I asked the high schoolers, is there a time when you picture church, is there a time either at church or with people from church that you feel like you've been able to be real with people and people have been real with you? And I wasn't surprised, I'm looking at Lindsay and Shanna, you and Chris, you guys were there. I wasn't surprised that people would mention our summer trips right? These times where we go and we have extended time together. In the evenings, we spend time just talking about the Bible or talking about our lives and what's going on. And I can put my mind right back into that room this past summer in Estes Park, Colorado, where people are telling about really difficult things. And we are literally weeping with each other in those moments. I also think about the rest of the trip where there's fun and there's joy and we're in those highs and lows. As a community and as a church, yesterday we had a funeral for the Skirmans here, for Terry. And in the past week, we've had birth announcements of births. I was, in fact, with the uh, funeral yesterday, I was walking through, and there was an interesting picture where over here we had a funeral happening, and then I walked past a birthday party in the gym going on too, and you just have this visual of two highs and lows in life, but we all share that in this space and as a community. We're there for each other in those spaces, and it's a gift to be a part of a church where we can know that we're not alone. I believe that all of these things show the real, who the real fellowship is. But I also say that the things I just mentioned are maybe our making costumes for our grandkids moments. Those are the things that we do these things and we're proud of them. But I'd also bring, I'd like to bring up a couple of yelling at dog moments, a couple of things that we could maybe do better or things for us that I think it's important for us to be mindful of moving forward as we try to be real and invite people to be real with us. For being real, I think one of our challenges is the size of our church. We don't always think about it. One thing, it's great that we're a large congregation, but while that enables us to do all these great ministries and all these great things that we just talked about, 
It can also, when you walk into a room with this many people, a person could wonder, am I needed in a space like this? When there's this many people, you can come in right at the beginning of a service and leave right at the end of the service. And it creates the ability to not have to be real because of how many people are here. And we have to remember as a church that that's intimidating. I don't think we should put that on the individuals to say, well, you need to try harder to get to know us. That's on us as a community to say, hey, how are we continuing to invite people in? And I know we have teams and people who are passionate about that and do that. But as a whole community, we need to have the bravery of looking at someone thinking to ourselves, I think I should maybe know that person's name, but I don't. So I'm going to go over here because I don't want to, you know, you know, instead we have to have the bravery to say, ah, hi, my name is this. We also have to acknowledge, and this isn't news to anyone, that we live in a world that's highly divided. You can pick a topic. And it's hard for people, us included, to go through the world wondering if you reveal your real self, if you're going to be attacked or loved, because these days it seems like both of those are equally going to be true. Some might wonder if they can show their real selves in this community because they look, think, or act differently than other people who are here. And again, it falls on us as individuals and as a community to seek connection with each other. I love in verse 16 where Paul says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. As a community, we have to agree that we're going to try to show up with this type of heart that people all belong because none of us are perfect, but we are all made by God and deserve to be loved as whole people. God knows everything about us and continues to care for us and love us. The value of being real comes or calls us to acknowledge that we're not God, but we're trying to reflect that love as best we can. Sometimes we succeed and sometimes we mess up, but being real is about making a choice to keep trying with all of our hearts. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite the worship band and Pastor Nate up as we move to communion and celebrate the ultimate real act of love. Well, thank you, Bryce, uh, for that great reminder, uh, uh, first of all, of how much God knows us, and yet even in all of our uckiness, God chooses to love us, and he showed that in his actions as a prompt for us to think about how we might love each other uh, with our actions as well. When I think of uh, a way in which God demonstrated that, I think of this table. Ironically, Jesus uh, could have chosen a number of things to make sacramental, to, to, to mark as a place where we might encounter God. He could have chosen something that's way beyond us, some really fancy thing or really beyond us thing, but instead he gathered his disciples around a common table with common elements like bread and drink. And he said that because of his spirit's presence here, this is sacramental, this is special, this is set apart and marked. God used common things to make himself known to us. And so every time that we gather at this table, we get a chance to remember the uncommon life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the uniqueness of who Jesus was in this world and even to us. We also come to this table to commune with God and to commune with one another, the, this, the community of saints. And we come to this table in hope recognizing that this is just a minute, minuscule foretaste of the great banquet that we will one day experience. We come to a common table with common elements in remembrance and communion and hope, recognizing that the Spirit makes it all sacramental. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, and upon these your gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break together and the cup we share together may retell our common stories together, reshape our common bonds together, and remember our common grace together. In the communion of the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, the one whose life and death you have torn down our, our divisions. As this bread is Christ's body for us, send us from this table to be the body of Christ in all the world. Send us with the spirit of courage, a spirit of, of power and love, that we may be witnesses to all creation, to the unending story of your word breathing life into the dust. Keep us faithful and fruitful and hopeful and peaceful until we come at last to the one table of your kingdom to feast with all your saints in the joy of your eternal realm, with you and with your word. 
through Christ and in through Christ and in Christ, the one who came for us, died for us, and rose for us, the one who prays even for us, whose name we pray in. Amen. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, him and the disciples gathered together, and he took bread and he lifted it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. My friends, these are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. This morning, we will receive uh, communion by intinction, which means you uh, will uh, take a piece of bread and dip it in a cup. You will do that by coming forward down one of these aisles, uh, exiting to the left and returning on the right, like the diagram behind me shows. If you would like to receive communion uh, in a gluten-free manner, you can do that under the cross. And if you'd rather just sit in your spot uh, where you're seated right now, you can just raise your hand and there will be rovers that will come and serve you. At Fellowship Church, we believe uh, that uh, all those that love God and are learning to follow Jesus are welcome at this table. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come for now all things already are ready.
for me in the midst of trying to live out our mission statement as a community is getting to see the body of Christ at work as Bryce alluded to in his sermon. This week there's a special opportunity for about nine of us to go see the way in which the body of Christ is living out uh, a mission uh, in Juarez, Mexico. There are nine of us that are going to be visiting our church partner down uh, there. Uh, The church is called Frontera de Gracia and they seek to care for the folks that they find uh, literally right outside their door uh, in really unique ways. And so we'll get, to see, uh, get a chance to see them and then also encourage them along the way. Yeah. Uh, Reverend Skipper, uh, you describing the way in which this ministry, um, and you guys too, by extension, when you're going down there, care for people at the border, reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25. And he says that when we um, give food to the hungry, when we give drink to the thirsty, when we welcome the stranger, um, when we clothe the naked, when we visit the prisoner, when we care for the sick, um, we don't do it just for the least of these, but we also do it for him. Um, and so we're grateful for our ministry partner, a mission partner, uh, um, Frontera de Gracia, and also um, Angel Lopez, who will lead um, at this group of nine people from fellowship, and also for the people of fellowship who will go and spend their time Um, learning um, and connecting and engaging people in the name of Jesus. And so this morning, we want to pray for them. We want to send them um, to um, this mission opportunity. Um, And to do that, if you are going on the trip, um, if you're here, if you could stand in the sanctuary or at home, wherever you're you're watching. (laughs) Yeah, okay, a couple folks. Um, And then if you are around them um, or um, if you're not around them, maybe extend a hand, um, place a hand on their shoulder, and we'll pray pray with them this morning. Um, So pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your grace and your mercy that welcomes us. It not only welcomes us, transforms us into ambassadors of your kingdom, not just with our words, but also with our deeds. Bless these, your servants, as they travel to the border in your name. Send your spirit upon them and stir your spirit within them. Grant them safety as they travel. Grant them curiosity as they listen. Grant them kindness as they engage. Grant them joy as they play. Grant them love as they encounter the faces of your people and in those faces, your very image. And ultimately, grant that through encounter with you and others, that all of them may walk away more conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Amen. Round of applause for uh, these guys and their trip. So three quick things for us as we depart this morning or this afternoon. Uh, First, we just got a chance to feast at the Lord's table. uh, And now we're all invited to feast at the lunch table together uh, for table to table in the gym. Um, And in keeping with our focus on being real this morning on the tables in the gym, you will find these table cues. Uh, They're starter questions to help you get to know a new friend or get to know some of your old friends a little bit better, particularly for those of you who would rather listen to a, a 
like a lecture about German than actually make small talk about the weather this morning. Uh, so uh, second, uh, as we journey through our values this month, um, we'll be covering each of our values each Sunday. Um, we also want to take some time to reflect on how these values are experienced and um, how you experience these values within our community here together, um, and also how we live, all of us, into these values, not only here at Fellowship, but also um, beyond Fellowship. And so on your way in, you were given a short survey uh, that will help us to do just that, um, to celebrate the ways that God is at work within us, helping us to live into what it means to be real and inviting and unifying and equipping together, uh, but also chart course for ministry opportunities as we look ahead to the next ministry year, 24-25. Uh, so take a few minutes, quite literally five or so minutes, um, to share your story with us, and you can drop it off at the Welcome Center. Uh, third, this Sunday also kicks off No Scrooge November. Uh, throughout the month, we will, uh, for those of you who have been around and even for those of you who have not, No Scrooge November is an opportunity for us to love um, and serve and give to our local ministry partners, uh, mission partners here. Uh, and so this month, uh, all month, we'll be supporting our local mission partners, Bethany Christian, uh, West Ottawa Food Pantry, Hand to Hand Kids, Hope, and more. So check out the bulletin, the at home, the atrium for opportunities to serve our partners through your giving this November. What did you say, Tira? I think, did you just say that it's your birthday today? Oh, God. Oh, come on. Happy birthday, Pastor Tira. That's so nice of you to share that with everybody. Come on. Thanks. How about that segue for a blessing? How about, how about that? Uh, would you stand with us, please? Friends, when you know who you are, you know what to do. At Fellowship Church, this is us. We are real, we are unifying, we are inviting, and we are equipping. It is who God has called us to be and increasingly become. So as you go from this place to be real, may the grace of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord of God the Father. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, my friends. And grab some lunch. Come on.